This is Maggie Smith's second interview with us. We're going to try to get it right. We had some technology difficulties before. In a career that's included a world as a journalist, a psychologist, and the founder of a national art consulting firm, Maggie Smith now adds the role of novelist to her wonderful list of credentials. Her just debuted book, called Truth and Other Lies, is making a splash across multiple audiences. She also hosts a weekly radio show called Hear Us Roar, where she focuses on debut novelists and their path to publishing. She is steeped in the publishing world herself, where she writes a blog, hosts many book clubs. She's also part of a book nook, which highlights Chicago area's independent bookstores. I love that she's finally joining us at the Storyteller Microphone. It's been long awaited. Maggie, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I wanted to start right away with the fact that you have such a diverse body of work. Why storytelling and why storytelling now? Oh, why storytelling now, I guess, was um, I just wanted to have a creative outlet when I, I, I started writing. Um, well, I was a journalist for a while in college when I first started, but then I went into psychology and then I went into being a businesswoman. Um, so I had been doing that for years and years and I wanted more of a creative outlet. So I really thought writing would be something I could do at the same time I was doing the, the business. And um, I had people working for me. So I was really more of the manager of the of the business than, you know, having a set bunch of things I had to do every day. And um, so I, I started that way and just taking classes and going to conferences and stuff. And uh, I guess writing a novel was kind of a big chunk to take on at the beginning, but that's what I decided to do. And uh, then I got an offer to sell the, sell the company. Um, and I really thought, oh, well, I don't know. Those are going to come along all the time. So I took it and uh, then found myself, oh, now I can write full time if I want to. Uh, so that made it easier to finish the novel because it's a long process, as you know. And um, so that's why now, uh, why? Uh, I think it was the creative outlet of not having, um, I'm not, I can't sing. And uh, I tried to paint once in college and people said, Oh, what is that? <laughs> and I, I hadn't meant it to be abstract. <laughs> so um, I thought, well, I'll, I'll try writing. <laughs> and I'm a big reader, as, as most writers are. So um, that was the creative outlet I had chosen. And I seem to have a talent for it. So uh, I can You do indeed. It. Now, did you have this novel inside of you? I don't think so. What what it came to me, and and now that I'm writing my second and my third one, kind of at the same time, um, I'm 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 trying to parse out how do ideas come to me. But this one came to me um, at a writing prompt at a workshop, and the uh, uh, teacher said, "Fill in this blank. I could never write a book about," and I put mothers and daughters. Uh, because I have not been a biological mother myself. I haven't had children physically. Uh, I've had stepchildren that I've helped raise. And um, my mother and I had a very contentious relationship. So I didn't feel like I had much of a model for what a good mother would be like. And so I thought, well, that would be kind of hard for me to write. And then the instructor said, well, let's see if you can write 30 minutes about what that story might be like that you could never write. <laughs> and I put 
three circles, mentor, mother, daughter, because I began thinking about when I was in my mid-20s and the fact that I didn't have my mother as a role model, I was looking around for who else I could use as a role model and had a series of mentors. This was when I was in more in the psychology end of the business. And um, so I thought that might be interesting, the the juxtaposition of you're, you're kind of rejecting your mother as a role model and adopting someone else in somewhat of a mother role. So that was the springboard for this. It went through different plots, um, but that characterization of those three roles was there at the beginning. I love that it came from something as perhaps simple as a writing plot. So now tell us about Truth and Other Lies, because I loved it. It is a real page turner. Well, it's it's the story of these three women, and it's only told from the 25-year-old's point of view. That was one thing that I did in earlier iterations. I had all three points of view, and it just got awfully complicated for a first-time writer. So I dropped back and had it all filtered through Megan Barnes, who's the 25-year-old investigative reporter that is the protagonist. Um, and so everything also, the, the two other major characters are the mentor, who is a kind of Diane Sawyer type, very famous journalist that she goes to work for, and her mother, who I made larger than life because she is a pro-life activist and she is uh, running for Congress on that platform. And she hasn't run for Congress before, so she's a first-time politician. And so that's a change because she's been a housewife, mother, kind of all of Megan's life. So Megan is a little confused of where is this mother coming from that's a politician all of a sudden. So it's got those three people's um, journeys going on, and it's primarily driven by a plagiarism um Twitter troll, a, a Twitter troll that comes on and uh, accuses uh, Jocelyn, who's the famous journalist, of plagiarism. And she wants Megan to go find out who this is and stop them. Uh, she's, you know, kind of an entitled baby boomer. And she's going, well, just stop this. I don't want this happening. <laughs> you know, as though Megan can, you know, wave a magic wand and make that happen. Um, and so it's the that is is kind of the plot driven uh, thing that that occurs, and the mother gets roped into this plot as well. I loved. For me, it was very timely. It was also the tension between not necessarily the tension between the three women, but the tension between the various roles we have at different points in our lives. Although it's told from the 25-year-old Megan's perspective, you can see the points of view of the other characters and almost in multiple timelines of where the women's movement is and how they act in the world. Was that your intent? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it very much was. I, I, I wanted one of the themes to be the generational differences. Uh, and I think they're really real. I mean, people say, oh, well, of course you feel differently when you're young. But I, I think it's also the time that you're living in that you feel. So all 25-year-olds in the modern day probably have some of the same issues, um, making crucial decisions at a time when you're not all that sophisticated about making uh, decisions, mm -hmm. but you're you're deciding who to marry, where to live, what career to go after, um, kind of things that, that affect the rest of your life. But also I think 
you're also um, affected by the time you're living through. So Jocelyn is a baby boomer. She's 65. And she lived through the 19, late 1960s. She was marching against the war. She was um, uh, pushing for the Equal Rights Amendment. She was you know, going to change the world. And in many ways, the millennials have a, a similar agenda. They feel like, well, baby boomers, you didn't do that. You've sold out. And now we've got this mess on our hands. And now we've got climate on top of that. Um, and then there's the the middle ground where the mother kind of is. She's 49, 50. And uh, she's in a, in a different, and, and, and also her beliefs value system is very much in, a, in the conservative basket as opposed to the liberal basket. So she has other kinds of things that she's dealing with, which have more to do with the fact that she was a stay-at-home mom and is just now starting a career at midlife. So I've got generational things going on as well as these particular characters. And yes, they're living through Me Too and climate change and uh, abortion rights, uh, reproduction rights, and that kind of thing as well in the book. Was that a tricky tightrope to walk in terms of p political standpoints? I, I guess I didn't think of it when I was writing that. I've gotten much more attuned to that as I've been doing interviews about the book of people saying, well, you kind of took on some, some I wouldn't say touchy, but, you know, serious topics that people are dealing with. And I guess in in thinking about it, I thought, well, I write adult fiction. I write for adults. And um, I think that the people that read my book are adults and they can um, hold in their mind the fact that there may be perfectly uh, wonderful people that hold value systems different than theirs and be able to not necessarily agree with them and not necessarily not stand up for what they believe in uh, but also keep an open mind about what they might have in common. And I think that's in the last couple of years, particularly, we've seen an awful lot of Thanksgiving dinners that had missing people at the table because they weren't uh, willing to come and, and just have a communal family meal because of disagreements. And I think sooner or later, we have to start listening to everybody and be a little bit more open to uh nuanced discussions as opposed to emotional reactions and i think that your book can be a catalyst for that i really would love for us to do exactly what you just said that idea that we may not agree but we can at least listen and we can listen respectfully and i thought that your book would be a very good catalyst for book club types of discussions as well mm -hmm. have you had experiences with book clubs i haven't yet it's just been out um you know, a month or a so, a minute. <laughs> it doesn't seem like a minute, but maybe it is. Uh, but yes, I'm hoping I have book club discussion questions at the end. Even if I'm not a guest, you know, hopefully that will spur some discussion questions. Uh, a lot of times book clubs really, a lot of people there feel the same way, but they may have relatives or friends that don't necessarily see it their way. And and I do think that the mother is the probably the most polarizing uh, character because of her views. Uh, but I think that 
I was really pushed by a couple of editors to make her deeper and more complicated and more nuanced. And I think from the reader reviews I'm reading, uh, and I know you're not supposed to read reviews, but um, I think I, I succeeded in that. And, and also I kind of prep people, you're seeing her always through Megan's eyes, unless, you know, you're seeing her actions and you're hearing her dialogue, but you're also getting a little bit of a skewed look because you're getting Megan's view of her through the whole book, which Megan's view of her changes. So your your view is also somewhat changing because of that through it. One of the things I loved is that all of your characters have great depth. It's not just Megan. Everybody else is very nuanced as you describe them. Was that intended? Uh -huh. Or did that get filled in later? Oh, it got filled in later. I, I think I wasn't writing that way in the first draft or so. And that was more editors that I used, um, you know, with my publisher pushing me to either expand on something that was just kind of a missed opportunity. Um, there was one scene I remember with Becca, who's Megan's best friend, and the editor saying, you know, I think you could add maybe a half page here that expands on their relationship, gives us a little bit of backstory about them. And so that was just more of a missed opportunity in my mind. They were close, but I wasn't necessarily letting the reader into that closeness. And then in other ways, I think particularly with the mother, and again, because of my relationship with my mother, um, I was writing her a little bit more of a caricature. And I needed to figure out why is she like that? I think that the, the uh, um, several coaches I've had along the way have always challenged me to, okay, okay you say she's overprotective of Megan. Why is she like that? Why is think, she, why would she do that? You know, keep keep peeling away the onion a little bit. I think that what you highlight right there, Maggie, is a very important part of the writing process. Having editors have them push our thinking, and also beta readers. I know for myself, my beta readers were telling me I needed a whole character that I didn't even want to exist. <laughs> and if we, and I was like, no, that person, you know, that no, that's not a real character. So I love that you're editor was able to say, I just need more here. And that you were able to be open to that because it makes it a, a much richer book if we actually listen. Right. If we actually listen, yes. <laughs> Maybe that's because we're first time writers. We're going, okay, well, if you're telling me what to do, I'll do that. I'll try it. <laughs> well, I think the other thing that's very true is that sometimes things are crystal clear in our head. You know, we know how the character gets from point A to point B, and we, in many cases, know how it's even going to resolve, but the reader doesn't. Right. So that's the benefit of having that outside uh, The thing voice. that you hear a lot, it's not on the page. Right. You haven't given it to me on the page. You, exactly. It's in your mind, but you haven't written it down. So Now, tell me, this was a book that you thought you couldn't write. How was that experience <laughs> for you in terms of being able to do that, those three concentric circles. Well, as I said, I, I, the, the character of Jocelyn was always very easy to write. She was a little bit based on uh, Miranda Priestley in The Devil Wears Prada. I mean, she was, that was the archetype for that. it. Yeah. Um, and Megan was uh, actually not so hard to write. I kind of channeled both my own memories of being 25 and I have a 24 year old stepdaughter and so I've been around her a lot and and seen some of the things that and and I would run it by her sometimes I would say oh I know you don't say 
cool. What do you say instead? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, and uh, so I think the mother was the one that I was struggling with. Um, and um, yeah, that that she probably took the most work. And, and she wound up as a result being my favorite character. And the one that I would probably, if I did write a sequel, it would revolve around her. Which is Isn't it interesting. interesting how we come to love our characters in different ways? And they teach us something different yeah. as well. Yeah. You just mentioned you're writing two more books right now. How does that work in your head? Well, one I'm not writing. I'm just writing the outline for it. Uh, I had the other one half written when this book went more into marketing mode. Um, and so I feel like that one I need to finish. And that's more of a psychological thriller uh, a, a district attorney that's being stalked, but also her daughter is being threatened and she has a teenage daughter. So I've got the mother daughter thing creeping in again. Um, and the other one just came to me a couple of weeks ago based on something my stepdaughter said. Um, and I kind of was in this dream state just waking up and it was like the whole novel just kind of came spewing out. And I thought, oh my gosh. And that's a stepmother, stepdaughter. Um, motif or theme, I guess you would say. Um, and so, yeah, maybe that, maybe that's where I'm. So mother and daughter I'm, thing, mother daughter. Maybe it's never going to leave me. <laughs> I do love that in those waking moments where you go, oh my gosh, I've got this solved. It's so, all, it's, so all I, it's all there. <laughs> it doesn't always happen, but when it does, it, it's pretty magical. Yeah. So you have had specific careers, psychologist, journalist, is this it now? Your novelist, or yeah. where? Yeah, no, I can't see, and and I really have no. Um, there's a lot of things that writers do to make money because we really don't make money at at. Uh, I made enough in the sale of the business that I have a cushion for retirement, and um, so I'm not interested in being an editor for somebody else um, or teaching classes necessarily. I, I'm interested in doing one-time presentations about things, mm -hmm. uh, but I don't want to go be a professor at a college or anything like that. So yeah, writing uh, is going to be it. And I love that so many of us come to this aspect of our life. Roughly, you and I are a little bit the same age. I'm a little older, but I think that we have a unique perspective. Do you think that all your previous um, experience has made you a different type of writer than you might have been when you were younger? Uh, I think I could have skipped that art dealer thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what that added, but but I am real good at Instagram as a result. <laughs> you are. <laughs> um, but yes, obviously the psychologist actually, I think is is probably the one that is most relevant because it is something where um, I'm used to the fact that there's more underneath what people are saying and, and looking for the motivation behind it and the why behind it. So, and I think, you know, we haven't talked about it, but I'm also a podcaster. And I think that makes me a good interviewer uh, because I'm, I'm curious. And I think curiosity is a good trait for a storyteller to have. I love that. And let's talk just briefly about your wonderful podcast, which I have had the gift of being on. And it's called? Hear Us Roar. Mm -hmm. Kind of after the old Helen Reddy. Yes, I um, love that. <laughs> 
And it's uh, under the auspices of the Women's Fiction Writers Association. Uh, everyone that's on there is a member of that association. And they come on uh, at the time that they publish their debut women's fiction novel. Or not at the time they do, but they get, get, they get in line. <laughs> uh, because we now have like three times as many members as we had when I started this. Um, so we're at 135 episodes now. So it's been going on for almost four years. And uh, I do it weekly. I interview someone for approximately 30 minutes like you do and just talk to them about their book and how they got to publication, which was enormously helpful when I went out to both find, look, you look for an agent, look for a press, uh, and then the marketing. Um, so the second part of the interview it has been uh, tremendously helpful for me because I felt like I had an education all those years of what everybody else had tried and it had worked or it did, didn't work. And I could uh, uh, depend on that knowledge that I was building up when I went to have my own debut. So, Well, I highly recommend everybody listen to Hear Us Roar. It is a wonderful, wonderful podcast. I learned a lot. I continue to learn a lot. And where can we find you on social media, Maggie? Well, I'm primarily on Instagram and I'm there as Maggie Smith writes, W-R-I-T-E-S. Uh, I'm, I hang around Twitter sometimes. I'm magpie0218 there, um, which is my birthday. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and um, uh, on Facebook, I, don't, I didn't really uh, create a author Facebook account. I never follow people when they say, I'd like you to like my my page and it's mm -hmm. kind of like I'm already your friend what more do you want <laughs> um and uh so I'm I'm really not on Facebook other than just under me um so I'd say I I do m most of my stuff on Instagram and then I have a newsletter that you can sign up for and my my website is Maggie Smith writer so a, a little bit different because writer was already taken so uh w-r-i-t-e-r -E on my website and writes on Instagram and we'll have all of that in the show notes. Maggie, I can't believe our time is over again. Oh. It goes so quickly. Truth and Other Lies by Maggie Smith. Debut novel. Absolutely fabulous. Paige Turner. And more to come. Maggie, thanks for being a guest on The Storytellers today. Thank you for having me. It was great. This has been a copyrighted episode of The Storytellers by Grace Salmon and Authors on the Air, Global Radio Network. Thanks for being with us. That concludes this episode of The Storytellers. I'm so glad you could be part of the story today. I hope you share the stories, tell your own, and come back for another episode. Because when our stories are told, everything changes. I'm Grace Salmon.